Hariyom and Namaste. This is your host Kishor Trivedi welcoming you to this episode of All About Dharma program on Radio Naira. As you know, this is part of Know Your Dharma initiative of the Hindu Society of North Carolina and all the past recordings can be found under the KYD tab of hsnctemple.org website. Today, I'm very happy to introduce our guest Enakshi, who is currently a PhD student in the Biomedical Engineering Department at Duke University. Enakshi, floor is yours. Thank you, Dr. Trivedi. My name is Anakshi Sanasi, and today I will talk about my journey through Dharma. I was born and raised in Mauritius, which is a small island in the Indian Ocean. Um, in Mauritius, the vast majority of the population are descendants of Indian laborers who were brought over by the British during um, their colonial rule in the 19th century. And so today, about 60% of the Mauritian population is Hindu. And um, there are also other significant religions that are practiced, um, including Christianity, Islam, and Buddhism. Um, and Mauritius had a very strong European influence as well. And so the cultural diversity of the population in the tiny island is very um, diverse. Um, in fact, the Mauritian culture is a blend with people practicing their own cultures um, and tradition and also celebrating festival from um, their peer cultures. Thank you, Anakshi. Can you tell us more about how it was growing up as a Hindu in Mauritius? And how did the practice of Hinduism evolve in Mauritius? Yes, sure. So um, being born in a Hindu family, I grew up surrounded by the rituals and traditions of Sanatan Dharma. I learned shlokas and mantras from my parents and grandparents um, and also from the priests in the temple. Um, and, and as part of the culture, I learned Kuchipudi dance and Carnatic music when I was a kid. Um, and attending the temple was part of our routine lifestyle um, in my family. Um, and the Gayatri Mantra, for example, was probably one of the first ones that I learned. Um, and it was also very repeatedly recited in, in our household. But also I learned many different mantras and ritual, um, but growing up there, more emphasis was placed on the pronunciation and the practice um, rather than the deeper meaning behind them. And so looking back, I kind of wish that I asked more questions to my elders um, to try to learn more about the significance of, of these mantras. Okay, can, can I stop you there for a minute? Uh, about the temples, uh, how long ago the temples were built? And are there different temples for uh, different uh, population of uh, Indians like Tamilians versus Telugu versus Gujarati, things like that? Yes, yes. So a lot of times, uh, many temples were um, like small temples. Um, some people like started in their houses or just a common land. So it was not like very traditional temples, but more like prayer places. Um, and those were from very early on, like 
you know, like whenever the ancestors came. Um, but more recently, those uh, places with time started, you know, taking donations from different people and they started building um, the actual temple in a location that was already present. Um, and so those are more like traditional temples with the architecture and stuff like that. And so those are a little bit more recent. Some of them um, I attended attended since I was a kid. Some of them were built when I was growing up. Um, so those are a little bit more recent. And yes, they do um, kind of have like separate temples depending on, um, you know, like Tamilians versus Telugu speaking. Um, we don't have specific ones for Gujarati. Um, I think it's, it's more like we have Tamil speaking population and their traditions and then Telugu speaking and we have some Marathi speaking people and then they have um, their temples um, and then Hindi speaking is kind of grouped together um, and most of the indentured laborers came from Bihar uh, who are part of that um, population and so th those temples typically would still follow the traditions um, so like the priests would come from that part of India and um, the language would also be different. Um, but other than that, as I said, like um, there's kind of like a blend. So I would attend all um, the different temples, but they are a little bit different. Okay, continue with your particular uh, ancestors and, and so on that you were planning to talk about. So since our ancestors migrated during the British rule in the 19th century, it is difficult to trace back our specific ancestry. Um, and part of the reason why this is hard is because um, over the years, family last names, which are usually typically long, um, have been modified or simplified to match the colonial um, system of, of the British. And so it's harder for people to know exactly um, the ancestry. And so in my case, for example, we know that our ancestors came from Andhra, but we don't exactly know which specific region they came from or any specific family traditions or, you know, we don't have relatives there that we can still trace back. Um, but so the way we get around it is the Telugu speaking community in Mauritius in general recruit, recruits priests from that region of India to head the temples and, um, you know, um, head um, the rituals and everything. And then our family would go to the temple and follow those practices. Um, and this is very similar for other Hindus who came from other different parts of India as well. Um, and also because Mauritius is a small country, um, there is much overlap between Hindus who came from different parts of India. Um, and so, for example, in my family, we would very often go to temples that are not, um, you know, South Indian, especially when there is another festival that is being celebrated. Um, we would attend that. Now, uh, let me ask you another question, which was not in the original write-up, but uh, besides the temples, I believe that now there are centers from Chinmaya Mission and so on. Uh, were you aware of them? Uh, they were very well-known, popular or, or even not? I was familiar with them. I do know people who um, attend them, you know, a part of the mission. I have personally not been there. Um, and it's only when I 
came to the U.S. and became more familiar with it, that I was interested in going when I went home this time. I was interested in um, learning more about it. But then because of COVID, I couldn't. Um, but it's, it is common um, and there are people that I know that attend them, um, but particularly like I didn't. Okay, very good. Um, you then moved to the U.S. a few years back. Can you tell us how different the practice of Hinduism you found among people you associated with when you came to U.S. compared with how it was when you were in Mauritius? Yes. So I moved to Florida in 2015 for my undergraduate education um, and Hinduism was mostly incorporated in everyday life. Um, so mainly maintaining dietary restrictions or lighting the diyas or um, participating in religious holidays. Um, in fact, it was kind of hard for me to participate in activities that used to be part of my routine, such as attending the temple or um, just reciting mantras with a group of people. Um, and so that, that was kind of different. Um, and also when I would be joining um, annual cultural functions that were organized by the university, such as the Valley of Holi, um, I noticed that there were differences in, in the practice of the culture, of the tradition, of um, even some mantras that were being recited um, between friends who came directly from India and, and myself, and also the food actually. Um, was a little different it was kind of the first time where i um interacted with you know those differences so these were students directly from india or uh, some of the indian american uh, students um most in my experience there it was mostly students from india um mm -hmm. i didn't i don't i didn't really know a lot of people um indian americans um when i was in undergrad education there and in fact, I don't think that this difference in um, practice is very surprising because um, the Mauritian heritage is very hybrid because the culture evolved from um, so many years. And so I think it was bound to be differences in, in those in the practice and um, kind of going in a little bit of a different direction. Um, I think like because of those differences, I started to feel a greater need to go beyond um, the culture and understand our scriptures more at a deeper level. And um, so this quest for spirituality deepened after I joined Duke also for my graduate school in 2019. Um, but here I was very lucky to find many resources available to help um, learn more. And so the Hindu life at Duke, for example, the Hindu Students Association at Duke also offered study groups and a safe place to discuss and learn um, about our scriptures. Um, and I think it's a very inclusive community uh, that has helped me build a sense of belonging. Um, we also have the Hindu chaplain who offers guidance and advice on ways to incorporate Hinduism in our daily lives as students. Um, and something else that I noticed was a high emphasis is being placed on understanding the meaning behind the rituals um, and not just reciting them, which I think is, is which I personally really appreciate. Um, and the study classes, the pujas and discussion heavily incorporate English um, when, you know, um, 
mantras are being recited, they are also usually translated. Um, and I think that's really nice. And um, particularly for me, you know, I was born in Mauritius and my first language was French. And so I learned Telugu or um, also Hindi as like additional languages, um, but I'm not very proficient in them. And so um, having this incorporation of English um, is something I really appreciate. Um, and I've also started attending weekly Upanishad classes taught by Dr. Trivedi, where I'm learning and discussing major concepts um, that are um, described in the Upanishads. I am very grateful to having these communities and I am learning so much um, and I hope to learn a lot more in the years to come as well. Now, let me ask a couple of other questions. One is that, do you, did you find these two different groups of people, namely students who came direct, directly from India versus those who are born and brought up here, Indian Americans. Did you find uh, them to be very different? And uh, which group was easier to uh, talk with, get along with and so on? Yes, um, I think it was easier for me to get. I, I think at Duke, I got more um, contact and interaction with Indian Americans. Um, and I think it was easier for me to adapt and, and um, kind of understand the evolution of the culture, but also like the need to to feel connected, the need to kind of um, continue learning and, you know, teaching, um, which is something that I tried to do a lot when I came here because I was kind of feeling like, you know, I need to hold on to the culture. Um, and so though, in those kind of ways, I find myself a little, it's easier to identify with the Indian American population. Um, and actually, I think before coming to Duke, I didn't really realize the difference between between the two. But yes, I think it's easier for me to identify to that community. Yeah. And the second question uh, is, I really admire the fact that after having moved to a remote uh, place, uh, the Indian culture and religion has uh, been sur have survived. And so I, I must give congratulations to your ancestors to be able to do that. But can you point out the reason why this has happened? And has there been a lot of uh, conversion from Hinduism to other faiths? Yeah, I think the main reason why we were able to do that is because the majority was the majority of the population was Hindu. Um, and so like Mauritius was a, a British colony, but it became independent in 1968. Once it became independent, the first prime minister was Hindu. And since then, you know, a lot of um, political people in the um, government and everything um, were Hindus um, and also so that's probably one of the main reasons because we had um, a lot of people and also like the pol political um, resources to kind of continue that. Um, but also I think like looking at other religions as well, um, in general, most people kind of came from similar, I guess had similar history into coming to the country. And so even for other religions, they were able to keep 
practicing them because of incentives that the government would give. So for example, like there are, there's like Muslims and Christians and Hindus in Mauritius, but there is like the public holidays. We make sure that there are public holidays that are for Hindus, for Christians, for Muslims. So um, in the past, actually, there has been a lot of, not a lot, but some um, tension, um, not very much racial tension, but more like religious tension. And so there's just a lot of deliberate effort to make sure that everybody is able to to practice that. Um, yeah, but the key thing you pointed out is that the uh, since a large Hindu population was there, unlike say, South Africa, uh, it was much easier to maintain the culture and the traditions. Uh, one last question, uh, the effect of COVID on you in particular and students in general, you want to say something about it? It is very difficult, right? With respect to uh, classes and meeting people and uh, going out to eat and so on. So how would you characterize the effect of uh, this virus on student populations in general or you in particular? Yeah, I think that um, the COVID personally for me um, has really created this awareness to um, learn more about myself, kind of taking more care of like mental health and, you know, well-being. And this is kind of part uh, something where I think spiritual um knowledge or like the need for spirituality also came in through covid because it was spending a lot of time alone and um you know trying to read more and understand more um and so personally i think uh covid just brought a sense of awareness um yes, that so you are you are actually painting it as a in a positive light <laughs> rather than uh, yeah some others may may feel depressed and and so on uh, but what, think- what, what, yeah go on please I think that um, it was a very rough time, um, you know, when it started, um, but because it was also over a long time, it also kind of triggered the need to look for, you know, ways to cope with it, which I think now is like way better. Like looking back, like I still I still think I have a lot of work to do on, you know, my well-being and stuff like that. But I do think that since COVID, I started eating like more healthy food or try to just incorporate more meditation or like breathing and stuff like that in my um, daily life just because it kind of was like I need to start doing that. What about the classes and the research? Has it been affected? Yes, um, classes I think were able to kind of keep being maintained because we just shifted to a virtual format. Um, Obviously, there was some adaptation there, but um, I guess Duke did a great job at like transitioning. Um, I think research suffered a little bit, especially at the beginning, because we couldn't come into lab and um, at all. So and depending on where students were at in their work, some people had you know, work that it could be done remotely. Some people were still doing, you know, experiments that had to be shut down. Um, so personally that um, like work suffered a little bit and trying to, we had to try to find other remote works that could be done. Very good, very good. So I appreciate very much you're taking the time to do this um, uh, dialogue or interview. And so let, let's let say Hari Om and Namaste to the audience. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.